Welcome to the Crimes and Dimes podcast, entertaining you with stories about famous financial fraud so that we can decipher where white-collar criminals went wrong. Let's go fishing! Welcome back to Crimes and Dimes. I'm Josh Kraftchick with Rob Timbury and Andrew Saltman. And we have something in both of their warehouses today, talking about the Florida land boom of the 1920s, which was Florida's first real estate bubble, which burst in 1925. And it left a lot of cities such as Coral Gables, Miami Springs, Miami Shores, and Hollywood in ruins, pretty much. Rob's actually reading the whole book. He said it's uh, taken him a little while because it's written in what? What do you say? Old old English? Like old English. It's a real hard read, but they do it that way because they want you to feel like you're there. So they'll actually talk about people coming from the north, going into town, talking to the local people, and then meeting with developers. And you, you, they, you could feel the buzz from the boom. And so they go in a really minute detail about the day-to-day activities of the people. Yeah. And something I found interesting is this has to do with the railroad system. So like the railroad system went down the West Palm, then Miami, Key West, and they, I didn't know that they drained the Everglades to do this. They did. You guys know that? I I read that they built, they cleared the land and then they, well, like in Miami, they were clearing the land and then they built the foundation better on it. At least that part. I didn't know about the Everglades though. Yeah. The, the construction materials that came from up north, when it ruined the railroads. It, was, uh, it messed up the railroads because there was so much of it coming down to Florida. It was like madness. But they, but it's interesting. Again, you, you got to have the seed for the boom, right? So the seed here was right after World War One, the rich couldn't go to Europe anymore. So then the appeal of Florida began becoming very appealing, and they they marketed that and began a euphoria to get people to come to Florida. And if you read in the book, a lot of this was swamp. I mean, toward the end of the boom here, I mean, to the end of this, they were just selling scrub brush, just saying you know it's Florida, it's going to turn to gold. Until the facts and circumstances led to the the downfall here, like you said, the the railroad, um, and then of course the Internal Revenue said it's a giant sham operation, and that's kind of what began pulling the seeds out of this. But if you read the book, people were buying whether it was full acres or these tracks, and then like you said, flipping them immediately, or like you said, Andrew, flipping the rights to the track, um, wholesaling the wholesaling. Yeah, I think that's what they yep. call it. Yeah, where they don't own it, they they called it binder deals back then. Yes. Where they don't actually would get the money to buy the property and then they would find the buyer within 30 days before closing. Yep. It causes a major hiccup now with financing. So you can't, you you have to, if you, if you find a buyer and now the buyer has to be paying all cash. Yeah. So, but back then, you know, I don't even think financing exists. I'm pretty sure this was in the roaring twenties. Right. So this is basically people had money to blow. People thought that Florida was going to be like the next, what, California or gold rush. So they're all willing to put their money into it without even going to look at it. And if you live in Florida, you know, if you're not at the beach and if you're in the middle of the state, um, especially during the summertime, if you don't have air conditioning, it's pretty much an uninhabitable land. Well, the irony of the whole thing, I was thinking about that exactly, Josh. This is pre-air. When did air conditioning get invented? All of this happened before AC, which is really. Uh, I don't know. Air conditioning invented. Well, well, even you know, AC as it matters. Obviously, nineteen oh two actually. Okay, nineteen oh two. Yeah, 
but also Florida couldn't have been as hot back then, you know, almost a hundred years ago. Yeah. It's still, still hot. And it was still hot. Uh, yeah. It was still hot. And um, one of the most fascinating things, if you guys really want to read the book is what is um, it called? Miami millions. It's okay. mentioned here in the article. Yeah. In his book, Miami millions, Kenneth Ballinger. Okay. Toward the end when the prices were getting so high, a lot of people couldn't afford to buy in Miami or that area. So they started selling lots in the middle of Florida, northern Florida, basically saying, well, you know, th that will be the next big thing. And they were buying, again, sight unseen. They didn't even know where in Florida these areas were, like Liberty County was mentioned. We're, we're in sight unseen territory right now. We're in booming wholesale territory right now. And uh, what I found in my, in my research was funny was that they were putting up movie sets in front of the land. I don't know if you read that in the book in order to give the appearance of a house to sell better. Huh. So that, that was like fraud. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like basically showing new construction, but it's not actually there. You know what I mean? Right. Like yeah. They were putting movie sets on lots, but there was not actually a house on the property. And the newspaper had so many real estate ads. It had 500. The newspaper was 500 pages in 1925. Yeah. And then two years later, I think they said it was like 40 pages. <laughs> Yeah. I didn't read it specifically in the book yet, but it's interesting. It took many, many years for the prices to recover to pre-boom levels. So actually, I guess post-boom levels. Um, you know, a lot of people really, really got hurt because you see toward the end of this, that ship sunk in Miami Harbor, you know, the, the 1926 hurricane, and then came the Wall Street crash. Yeah, the hurricane and, and the depression obviously yep. crushed them. Was, I mean, they, they can blame other things like all these other little things, but I, I feel like that really, those two items, especially like a hurricane, I don't think that, you know, the big thing that, that they started going there was because cars, car, they made it easier. Also the European fact that you mentioned, but they were driving cars now mm -hmm. in cars. So it was easier to get to Florida. Yep. That, that was a, a, ca a cause of the boom. Uh, but obviously the Great Depression and then weather, like people didn't know weather. Uh, the, the, the the ramifications of the weather. So yeah, that Florida, that Florida humidity hits different if you're not used to it. Yeah. And, and I think the Miami hurricane, that 26 hurricane, was that the one that took out the Flagler railroad to the keys too? one of those really did big damage. I, I don't know the details on it, but I think there were two, there were two yeah. hurricanes Yeah, in that period, you know, with the technology and the infrastructure that was there back then. Be, right, they would just be devastated. You know? Well, you know, Andrew, you're in this business. You know, why don't we kind of bring this to today's time? Right now, I mean, I kind of get a sense there's another boom in Florida right now. You know, it's yeah. interesting how prices yeah. are going up, especially South Florida, Boca area. Again, they're buying things like you said, sight unseen on Zillow. Yeah, the, the sight unseen aspect is going on in a lot of places. Like companies like Open Door. Are you familiar with them at all? Yeah, I've heard of them. Yeah. Josh, have you heard of Open Door? No. Okay. They're, they're buying properties. They're, they're doing it on a massive scale. And they're, they're increasing the price of these properties 50, 60, 80, $100,000 within two weeks of closing the property. And Open Door is flooding the market, right? There's no inventory. So they're flooding. They're, 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 you know, what they do is they attract. They're attracting people to call them because they're just paying cash. 
for the property and then they're flipping it right back onto the market because the inventory is so shot. I'm not sure what the reason is that open doors get maybe ease. It's so easy. Or, you know, there was, there was, you know, remnants of the foreclosure issue as well from COVID and, and late payments. I'm sure people couldn't get that figured out to yeah. an extent. People who were in the restaurant and those industries that were heavily hit still uh, can't open up doors and have all those bills. And, you know, it's, it's easier to just dump the house and then open doors flooding the market. So they're, they're basically like Zillow. They're paying cash for property. And then they turn it right back on the market for plus $50,000 and they're putting in new carpets and that's all they're doing. (laughs) Yeah. It's remarkable. It's hard. You know, the inventory is causing the boom right now. You know, there's no, there's no inventory. So it's hard to say where it's going to go or what, you know, the, the depression, I I still think the depression and the hurricanes caused that tank. But the, the audience, if you, if you're hearing, this is really like a true Ponzi scheme because somewhere along the line, you know, there, there was no coordination of value to the contracts and people just wanted in. And again, it was sold right to the next bidder with some land that was truly worthless. So worthless land. Had either of you heard of the fire festival that happened a few years ago? Yeah. I, heard, I saw the Netflix documentary. Yeah. What like basically that? they were going to have this, huge festival with all these a plus celebrities there and it was at like a private island and everyone got there and there was a bunch of uh tents that they were sleeping in and they were supposed to be in like vip bungalows and like the only food that they got was like bread with like a piece of cheese on it yeah so this reminds me of that a little bit like people are promising like a paradise lifestyle you can't go wrong this is the best investment ever and then you get there and you're in basically the everglades which is yeah still not developable in 2021. Right. Yeah. I, I, yeah. It's interesting, you know, historically uh, about Florida, it was founded in 18 or that Spain stole, sold it to us in 1821. That was a fun fact. I don't know if you guys knew that. Everybody was so preoccupied with the Northeast. And then finally in the early 1900s, you know, Florida started to hit a little bit and word got around and, cars started hitting and they started traveling south and they were like, yeah, I guess that was sort of like the next gold rush for a minute, you know? Yeah. This land boom was sort of like the, the gold rush, but in a different, different. Rob, Rob, what happened with this boat, the Prince Valdemar? I was reading about that. Yeah. It sank. Yeah. I, I don't know if there was a problem with the, the, the crew, but it, it, it sank in Miami Harbor. Uh, in a way that blocked other ships from coming in, that became a problem too, because that was the other way they were getting food, perishables, and deliverables into the area for construction after the railroads had put on the put on their embargo, bar- causing gridlock. So it effectively shut the whole area down. So basically, mm. the ship blocked the ships from coming in, and then the railroads just said, "Screw this, we're not doing this." Well, the railroads were already embargoing because like of the, of the over the gridlock. So they were only sending perishables and essential commodities. So then things started coming in via the harbor until this Prince Valdemar or Valdemar sank. And the way it sank, it blocked, it blocked the access. So how yeah. long did this boom last? Was it like five years, six years? It sounded about like, I, I don't know, Rob, correct me. I thought it was like closer to like 20 because I think it started in 10. I read that Carl Fisher 
yeah. sold his uh, his business for six million dollars, which was the equivalent to one hundred and forty million. And then he came up and basically bought out Miami Beach and then started developing it. And then that kind of attracted more and more through the tens and then the twenties and then and then the late twenties was the- yeah. You're right, but but the actual. The the Ponzi the Ponzi side of this was the mid twenties. That's yeah, it's probably like five years. That's when the yeah. fever took off. They call it, they keep on calling it the fever in the book. That yeah. I mean, just they, people couldn't get the land fast enough. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting that the the wholesaling aspect is hilarious. It still exists a hundred years later. You just put down a binder deposit to hold the land for thirty days, and then you sell it to some. You know, they would they would call it the next sucker. You know. Now yep. that was their job. So basically the person has 30 days and they lose their binder if they don't find someone else to buy it. I don't know if they actually lose it. You know, that's a good point. I'm not sure if they lose it. Or that's motivation to sell. If you're going to lose a $10,000 binder, you, that what definitely you makes you motivated. No, no, no. The buyer puts down the binder. You know what I mean? Listen to this, guys. And this is the audience. I want you to rehear this. The days of Miami property being bought and sold at auction as many as 10 times in one day, yeah. one day were over. That is a Ponzi scheme. Yeah. I also read that they were selling land in Tampa that was technically under, technically in the water. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, yeah, because uh, they were talking, I read Baron Collier and uh, Davis, uh, Davis Island. These are the two big guys that bought up a lot of the land and yeah. started developing it. And uh, the Davis guy was essentially selling land that was under the ocean. And uh, I don't know how they got to it or what. I mean, it was kind of a quick snippet, but it was, it was, it was madness for sure. Craziness. Are they selling land on the moon now? I don't know. Why not? Why don't we do that? I mean, let's sell some land on Mars. Who owns it? You know, who owns it? (laughs) The galaxy. (laughs) Elon Musk owns it. Shit, have we been to the moon since the 60s? Has a human being set foot on the moon? Let's not get into conspiracy theories. <laughs> because I want, I still want to know, if we accept the fact we went to the moon, I want to know why no other country's gone. I mean, silver and bronze still hold weight to me. No one, no one else has gone. Right. Okay, so we've only gone to the moon one time. That one time, is that? No, well, supposedly went a few times in the early 70s as well. But uh, I don't want to scare the audience. I'm a little skeptical and I'm a smart guy and I'm skeptical for a few reasons. One, not to get into this, but you would think on the 50th anniversary, every classroom in this country would have gotten to watch the tapes again. And apparently they're missing, which I'm fascinated by. And when that Malaysia plane disappeared, I said, how can we find a capsule in the ocean in 1969 and go in right and pick the guy up to pick up the astronauts, but we can't find a Malaysia 777 jumbo jet. It's <laughs> a good question. Yeah. Oh, Rob's bringing out the big guns. Yeah. Um, so tomorrow morning, you know, you know what's going on here. I, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. That's one of the reasons I wanted to be president just so I could know kill JFK. <laughs> But, yeah, and, uh, and Roswell, New Mexico. On a, yeah, that too. That was the other big one. Do I yeah. do I get insight into that? But uh, circling back to the Miami Millions, um, what what other what other things were going on during this boom that 
Well, there any charisma, Rob? I know that's it's all charisma. Um, what, what's the guy from Boca? Mitzner? Mitzner? Uh, well, what Adam? do they? What do they have? A uh, billboard in Times Square? A billboard in Times Square saying it's June in Miami. Everything with you know golf courses were being built. A lot of the designers that got build more, build more, yeah, build more. That's the guy. Well, that's the history of our of our great state of Florida, pretty much in the last hundred years. Well, we're wow. kind of in the land boom now, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah. Well, this one probably just will end with high interest rates or prices getting too high. But at least here now, you have the underlying land. I'm curious whether they're doing. On these new homes going up in South Florida, Andrew, I wonder if they're flipping these contracts now. They probably are. I don't know much about the South Florida market. You know, the one thing that was super shady back in 03, 04, 05, which I was in real estate then, was the pre-construction. That was shady because they wanted to sell you the property before they even sold out the building and before they even started the construction. That was just seen not right, you know, but that is, you know, that, that pre-construction stuff that back then, you know, now it doesn't bother me as much, but back then I thought that was because they didn't finish a lot of the buildings back then, you know, cause they, they ran out of money um, or they just couldn't, they never got around. They didn't raise enough money to build the building is what it came yeah. down to. Yep. And, yep. Uh, and you had to go back chasing your deposit, go back and chase down your deposit. And that's a nightmare. You know, that's, that's, where's the leverage in that situation? Yeah. So, and then, yeah, there was a crash then, but you know, what caused it then was, you know, the subpar mortgages given well, no income you could, loans. You could argue now the interest rates being so low are, are raising prices to artificially high levels, you know, not to sound like the accountant here, but. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like the perfect storm because it's also low inventory too. Yep. And they're just the uh, interest rates just got hiked uh, because of the bonds in the last two, three weeks. They jumped a half a point in the last two weeks alone. That's major. So that is um, thinning out a lot of the deals right now. But the, in, you know, the low interest rates allow people to qualify for more. The rates are still great. Yeah. I mean, if you see a two, obviously you're not going to complain. You're just going to go for it, you know in front of that interest rate. So, but the inventory is so slim right now. I, I read an article that we were almost at half of the inventory that we were at last year. So, yeah. So it's put, everybody's getting over, you know, 10, 15, 25, $30,000 over full ask. If it doesn't go past one week on the market and that, and you know, that's basically what's going on right now in North Florida, at least. It's, you know, I, I was in, involved in a 16 offer, 16 offers. You know, the only time I ever heard of something like that was back in 03, 04, 05. So who knows what may or may not cause this next decline. That's, uh, I don't know, Josh is the uh, genius here. Hi, <laughs> What's going to cause it? I mean, what typically happens is people freak out and then everyone puts their house up for the sale at the same time. <laughs> well, I think people are begging people to put their homes up for sale right now because there's no inventory or there's a lot of off-market deals going on too. Yes. But I think when prices go high enough to offset the low rates, I think things when things will peak out, I think. Yeah. Well, the appraisals, well, it's starting to peak out because the appraisals aren't coming in. So the gap in cash is causing frustration. 
Got it. When you put a house on the market on, on the contract for eight hundred and only appraises for six fifty, you're you're effed. You know what I mean? You don't got one hundred and fifty to cover the gap. You know, and most Americans don't have. You know, that's a big that's a big one. But you know, most Americans don't have 10, 15, 20 grand for a low appraisal. Whoever has cash is king right now. But it's still difficult. Who wants to get involved in ten bids? You know, ten offers. Well, yeah, I mean, the problem in all cash is that they're so desperate for the property, they're not even interested in the appraisal, and the appraisal can be a safeguard too, but not overpaying. But they don't care. No, we were. I'm writing contracts right now where um, the seller agrees to bridge the gap in his own cash, or uh, we get a non-refundable deposit, or or both. So it's, it's a lot of safeguarding going on because we're in a boom. We're definitely in a residential boom right now. Who knows? I mean, I, you know, the appraisals are definitely causing issues coming in low all the time now because the comps aren't fast enough and there's not enough of them. Well, I mean, the, uh, you know, I wonder if the appraisal people are kind of like the bartender taking the keys away. Maybe they're kind of keeping <laughs> in control because that was a big problem back in 08 and 09. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's. I could take the other side and say, bar, you know, appraisers are, you know, I get the analogies clever, you know, I, you know, I could also say appraisals don't even matter, you know, I could say that because if somebody, what it's worth, what somebody's willing to pay for it, you know what I mean? Am I willing to pay one hundred and fifty dollars for a cup of coffee? Yeah, sure. Why not? You know, maybe, but you know, if I really, really wanted it. And it would no skin off my back. Me and you and Josh can do that. But, you know, most people would rather pay two, three bucks. Only the soldiers. <laughs> you know, like, you know, if you're in the middle of nowhere, yeah, you spend a hundred bucks for a cup of coffee, supply and demand, you know? So, I mean, I can argue that appraisers have no, no place in the industry and that it was just brought up for, for whatever reason as another expense to a buyer. Well, no, it's brought, it was, it's brought in to protect the bank's interest. That's why. Yeah, I can see. Yeah. I think it also helps protect suckers too, for sure. Uh, It's sucker protection. So is the inspection. The inspection is sucker protection. Um, But yeah, it protects the bank interest as well. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. They don't get stuck holding the bag. Well, It'll be very interesting to see 20 years from now well, they'll, they'll, whether they'll be calling this a Florida land boom of the 20s. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're in the roaring 20s right now. The roaring 20s again, yeah. Nice, good call. I, what what yeah. are we going to call it? We'll, we'll dub it. What do we dub? Do we just give it back to the roaring 20s, I guess. Thank you for listening to the Crimes and Dimes podcast. We look forward to having you tune in next time. And remember, don't get caught fishing. <laughs>